come up, up on somebody and shoot them. That's really bad. What about bull riding? Anybody a bull rider? Oh, yeah, we got one crazy here. All right. Uh, what about running with the bulls in Spain? Anybody ever done that? Ooh, all right. Costa Rica, they have this bull um, ring, and they don't do a running with the bulls like down the street, but they get anybody that wants to, if you're of age, they throw you in the arena, and then they let bulls go, and they just run around the ring, and, and they chase after the guys that are in the, in the arena. And I told my mom when I was growing up, I was like, when I turn 18, I'm going to be in that arena, and I'm going to be running with those, those bulls, and those bulls are not going to get me, and I'm going to have a good time. But I turned 18, I didn't do it. It was kind of stupid. <laughs> so I, I did not do that. Uh, we've been talking about what it means to be dangerous. Some of you, the most dangerous thing you've ever done is ask someone out on a date. That's a dangerous thing. Anybody? Okay. There's some married people here this morning. So obviously at one point you took the effort to go and ask for a date, right? Guys? Okay. 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 All right. We can, we can, we can wake up. Okay. We're in church. We can wake up. We've been talking about this series, Dangerous, and we're looking at the life of Gideon. I want to kind of speed you up a little bit because the, the story of Gideon is a, is a story that, that many of us maybe in church have heard, but we haven't dug really into it. And, and looking at the life of Gideon, we first meet Gideon, as we saw a couple weeks ago, he was in the bottom of a wine press and he was hiding from the enemy. The enemy had, had come into um, the Israelite uh, nation, and they had taken over. They were invaders. They were marauders. It says they were the enemy hordes, is what Scripture talks about, is this group of people that had come into um, the Israelite nation and had actually oppressed, had stolen all their cattle, had taken over their land, had taken their grain, had taken their food. And the Israelites found themselves hiding up in, in the mountains and cave sides and in um, fortresses because they were trying to get away from the enemy. Well, then they would cry out to God, and they did cry out to God because they were starving, and God sent them a preacher. He sent them someone to call them out. Well, this week we're going to talk about how God had prepared Gideon for this moment. Um, if you look in the book of Judges, the book of Judges in the Old Testament Scripture, the Jewish Scriptures, um, we, we see Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. That's the book of the law, the first five books, the book of the law. And then we get into a book called Joshua, and this is kind of a transitional book from the law into the actual land where they were living, where the Israelites were living. They'd gotten out of slavery, they went into the promised land, and the book of Joshua talks about the conquests into the promised land to take the territory. And then you get into the book of Judges, and it's a continuation from Joshua, and it's a book where from the beginning to the end, you, you kind of notice something's wrong. The people forgot that God had called them into the promised land, that God had called them to be free, and he said, listen, I've got, it's, it's very simple. I've given you this land. All you need to do is worship me with your whole life. And then little by little, over and over again, they began to worship other gods and worship other things around them. And little by little, they fell into oppression. They fell into slavery. And when we look at our world today, 2020, we think that over the last few thousand years, we've learned something. The fact is we have not learned much. We still have this mandate from God, worship me, put me above everything else. And if you do, then I will be with you. Well, even if you don't, God says he'll be with you. But if you do, I will bless you. Well, what has our country done? Was our nation done? Was our world done, really? Is over and over and over again, we do what's right in our own eyes. We follow our own path. We follow our own rules. And we tell ourselves, we tell others, no one's going to tell me what to do. I'm a free person. I can do whatever I want. Well, when we come to the United States of America, we think about our country and many other countries like it that are free. We think, oh, I live in freedom. I can do whatever I want. Well, can we do whatever we want, even in a free country? 
Now, I've got my friend Kevin sitting here up on the front. Uh, he works for law enforcement, and he can tell you that you can't do whatever you want. Why? Because society only works when there's rules and when we all abide by the rules. Unfortunately, our hearts are desperately wicked. We are rebellious by nature. And when we see a rule, we say, huh, I wonder how far I can get to break that rule. I wonder how far I can get and get away with breaking the rules. And so we keep our officers busy um, just chasing us down and, and trying to stop us on the highway when we're speeding or when we are running a red light or a stoplight. And we don't ever do that, do we? I mean, we, we don't ever do that. And then we see the lights, and we beg for forgiveness, and I'll never do it again. And then 10 minutes later, we're doing it again, right? So when we thought, we would look at the, the life of Gideon, we say, well, if, if I lived at that time, I would have done something different. Eh, we should be honest and look at our own lives and say, you know what? We'd be doing the exact same thing. We, we're living just like we want to live. We're doing just like we want to do. And so you're here this morning by choice. Now, most of you Hopefully, 50% of you weren't drug here, but some of you might have been. You might have a spouse that said, you're getting up. No, I don't want to. Yes, you're getting up, and you're drug here. You're forced to come, but most of us come here by choice, okay? And we're trying to figure out what it means to put God first. Like, what does it mean to have God as a number one in my life? Or maybe you're here today because you feel like something is a little off in your life, and you're like, maybe I'm missing this spiritual element. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing God in my life. And I, and I hope that today, as we look through Scripture, that you can realize that God has designed you. He has placed you just where you are. He's placed you in this time, um, in era, in space. He's placed you in this country, in this town, in this community. And even today, He's placed you in this church because He has a plan for your life. He's actually called you to be dangerous. As Pastor Ruben said, it's not that you're in danger, but you are the dangerous one. You're the person that is dangerous because the spirit of the living God lives in you. If you know Jesus as your personal savior, Jesus promised a comforter, a counselor, an advocate, and actually a convictor. He promised us the Holy Spirit, and he lives in us. Now, let's get back to the story of Gideon, because last week we saw that the Spirit of God clothed Gideon with power to accomplish the task that God had called him to. So today we're going to actually look at the physical calling on Gideon's life and how that applies to us even today, that God has placed us here physically for a specific reason and a specific duty. Now, I recommend that you go back and listen to the last couple of messages. That way you can catch up. It's online for free. If you go to our podcast, you can subscribe and you can listen to the, the last couple of messages. Let's pick up in chapter 6 of Judges and let's look at verse 14. This is where God is speaking to Gideon and he says right there, verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. If you have your Bibles, you can underline that. Um, I recommend you get on the Bible app. There's a live event, and you can follow along there with the scripture, and you can highlight that in your Bible. Go with the strength you have, and rescue Israel from the Midianites. He says, I am sending you. But the Lord, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Verse 16, the Lord said to him, I will be with you. Can we say that together? Because that's powerful. Okay, let's say that on the count of three. One, two, three. I will be with you. Then he says, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. God called Gideon physically, his body, and he gave him abilities and strengths, and he gave him certain talents, and he knew that he was specially designed and equipped for this mission. God didn't ask Gideon to get up and go do a bunch of push-ups. 
He didn't ask Gideon to go to a boot camp. He didn't ask Gideon to do anything to get ready for battle. He just said, go with the strength you have. He told him to go with what he'd already given him. This means that God knew who Gideon was. He knew how he was made. He understood his skills. He understood his physical abilities, and he understood his physical limitations. We are never more effective or never more dangerous than when we acknowledge who God made us to be. There's so many questions when we're in high school or when we're kids in school. They, they give us these questions, and they say, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I'm 42, and I'm like, what do I want to be when I grow up? And you're like, uh, <laughs> you've already passed that line, right? Frustrated and nervous, maybe, with that question, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And we think we're eventually going to get to that place. But if you've settled into a career, or if you settled into a certain lifestyle or a certain direction, or maybe some talents or hobbies, or maybe you've settled in and said, well, I've acknowledged who God wants me to be, and I'm actually living that life, and there's peace in my life. But there's so many of us that live without purpose every single day, and we live thinking, okay, so what do I want to be when I grow up? What do I want to be when I grow up? And the most, the, the sad, least dangerous person is the person that doesn't recognize who they are and doesn't recognize who God has made them to be. It reminds me of Jeremiah when he said, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Uh, God saw Jeremiah, and he looked at the very intimate parts of him, and he knew that he was created in the image of God. And then Paul kind of backed it up in Ephesians, and he said that we are God's masterpiece. God has created every single part of us, no matter if we think that we're limited or whether we think that we have enough skills or not enough skills, God has created us who he wants us to be. So my question for you to think about is, have you accepted who God made you to be? Are you trying to be somebody you're not? Gideon responded like many of us. He says, I'm not good enough. I'm not prepared. I'm a nobody. I don't have the ability to do what you've asked me to do. I will be with you. I've heard this said before, and maybe you've heard it said, what would we do if we knew we wouldn't fail? What would we pursue if we knew we wouldn't fail? What would we chase after if we knew we wouldn't fail? Because I think the fear of failure is what keeps a lot of us in our seats. The fear of failure is what keeps us from pursuing the dangerous life that God has called us to. If you knew you wouldn't fail, God had this plan mapped out for Gideon. If you want to read ahead and, and get ahead of the game, just read through chapter 6 and 7, and you'll see what God was calling Gideon to accomplish, and it was pretty overwhelming. He follows this up with, you will win the battle as if you're fighting only one man. Now, you have to look ahead and you got to look behind and see kind of the enemy that's surrounding the Israelites. There were over 135,000 soldiers, warriors, that had invaded the land. They'd set up camp. And there's a description in chapter 7 that it says they were like a swarm of locusts, too many to count, that their camels, just their camels, were as many as the grains by the seashore. They couldn't be numbered. Now, that's a massive military force that God said, you're going to fight them, I'm going to be with you, and you're going to be like you're, one, you're fighting one man. The question, again, what are you going through that seems overwhelming? What are you going through today that seems way too big to face or way too big to handle? I want you to know something, that just like with Gideon, God has promised that he will be with you no matter what you're facing. He will be with you, and he will never 
leave you. Remember last week we said that Gideon had the disadvantage of living in a time where the Holy Spirit would come, rest, and then leave, and then come and rest on someone and then leave. Well, today we have the benefit of having the Holy Spirit with us 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He actually lives in us. It's not an it. It's a who. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And so what's overwhelming in your life? What are you facing that's too big to handle? You know that God knows you? He has called you to be dangerous, even if you don't feel like it, even if you have physical limitations, even if you don't feel prepared, God is with you. So I ask myself this question all the time, and this is a a frustrating question to, to answer, but if God asked me to do something, will I be physically able to do it? If God asked me to do something, will I be physically able to do it? We saw last week that the Spirit of God lives in us. What could be more dangerous than that? He's given us life to live for Him. He's given us a life to take advantage of it for Him. And we have been born to bring glory to God with our bodies. Paul, he's a New Testament apostle. He's a a man that God met on a road and he called him to ministry to himself. We say that he's the 12th apostle um, after Judas betrayed Jesus, but Paul became the 12th apostle. And it says that in, in the New Testament, he wrote most of the books through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and he taught us many things. And this one particular passage that I want us to look at today is in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where it talks about how you and I and our physical bodies are made to glorify God in every single moment. Verse 19 of chapter 6 it says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given you, given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. This God, the Holy Spirit, but how do we treat our bodies? I think we treat our bodies like a playground. So I wrote, our temp- body's not a temple. I mean, sorry, our body is a temple, not a playground. And you're like, what? Yeah, our body's a temple, not a playground. But how many of us treat our bodies as though it's just, eh, you only live once, YOLO, and we just go for it? And there's silence in the room. <laughs> we just treat our bodies like it doesn't matter. Many of us abuse our bodies. because Many of us don't care for our bodies and go and do whatever we want to do because we think that it's ours to play around with. The fact is we do not own our bodies. We do not own our lives. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. It's that when I come to him and I give my life to him, that's what we say when we understand who God is, we understand our need for him, we understand our brokenness and sin, our fractured mind and our soul, we understand that we come to Jesus because he's the only one that can redeem us. He's the only one that can rescue us from ourselves. Well, when we come to Jesus, we submit to him and we give our lives to him. We don't simply pray a prayer to get out of hell. 
We actually give our lives to him. And so this is what it means to be owned by Jesus, to live a submitted life. I am not my own. I have been bought. Now, when you were a kid, your parents probably told you this. I brought you into this world, and what? I can take you out. That's what our parents told us. Now, they were right, because while we live under the structure of our parents' protection, we are not our own. We are theirs. We get to be 18, 17, 16, some people 11, and we're like, I'm out. Gone. Well, I didn't give birth to my kids, so I tell them, you are mine. (laughs) And Max is like, okay, you cannot do whatever you want. I am the boss. I am the master. And I don't go to Max and I look over him like this. I actually get down on his eye level and I'm like, look, dude, dude, you know today the way you're acting? You're not the boss. I'm the boss. Someday you'll be the boss. But right now, I'm the boss. And you guys are like, that's mean. No, it's because he can't do whatever he wants. Because he lives in my home and he has to follow certain rules. Now, when we come into the family of God, by the way, this does not work with Christy very well. <laughs> when we come into the family of God, God says, um, Don't you know? I bought you. You're mine. You're not your own. You're not the ruler of your life. You are now mine. Why did Paul say this at the end of the passage? He was talking to the believers at Corinth about how a believer should think when it comes to food, when it comes to sex, when it comes to pastimes. And he was walking them through a response that each person should give as they understand that they were bought by Jesus. There there was this idea that when they were bought by Jesus and were saved, they could live any way they wanted to do. They had like a license to do whatever they wanted to do and get away with anything that they wanted to get away with. That's like liberty. Now, when we come to Jesus, we're free, but we're free to choose right and wrong. Well, the, the believers at Corinth thought, ah, I, I can actually out God. I can never out God. He's always going to give his grace to me. And so they understood theologically that God is chasing us, God loves us, and God pursues us, but they misunderstood that when I am of God, when I give my life to him, I am bought by him, and now he leads my life. There's a completely different comparison. And you may be living today in 2020 saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a member of that church, and I can go do whatever I want to do. The fact is, you must not know Jesus, because if you know Jesus, you submit to him, and he owns you. And you understand that the Spirit leads and guides and directs and controls your mouth. He controls your heart. He controls your emotions because we are His. You may not think this to be true, but our lives reflect what we believe on a deeper level. Paul corrected them in the following verses. We're going to go back to verse 12. He said, you say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Even though I am allowed to do anything... I must not become a slave to anything. You say food was made for the stomach and stomach for, the, for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. I always skipped over that part because I don't like that. God's going to do away with food someday? That's a sad thought. 
By the way, you know that there are things that we do every day that are unhealthy and not good for our bodies. There are treats that we enjoy and activities that we enjoy. And the point that Paul was trying to make is that we must not become slaves to anything because we've been bought by another master. I can't be bought by one master and then serve a different one. Dangerous people are not controlled by their appetites. Dangerous people are not controlled by their appetites. We're not just talking about food here. We're talking about our urges and our desires and our physical appetites. Last year, for a few months, my doctor said I needed to give up coffee or reduce my coffee drinking. And uh, he was like, how much coffee do you drink? And I was like, I don't really know. He goes, let's talk through it. And I go to two in the morning before I go home, leave home. And then the office, we have make a pot. And I drink as much as, you know, all day long. And then every meeting I have is surrounded by coffee. So I drink a lot of coffee with people. And then I come home and I drink a couple more cups. And he goes, Ray, that's like 20 cups a day. Ooh, okay, maybe it's controlling me. Okay, so I didn't know how to reduce it, so I just gave it up. Worst three weeks of my life, okay? I gave it up for six months, but the first three weeks, ugh, terrible. I realized I was actually being controlled by coffee. And you say, Ray, that's no big deal. Well, this says not to be controlled by anything, and I'm not trying to be overly legalistic. I'm just saying there are things that control me even today, and I have it sitting here on the thing, it's not food, but this controls me too. The, anything that controls me or takes the place of God makes me not dangerous. It actually pacifies me. We're not talking about just about food, remember. We're talking about maybe being controlled by sex, controlled by sports, controlled by gambling, pornography, alcohol, drugs, gossip, anger, and the list goes on and on and on. What controls you? Verse 13. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. You were made for the Lord, and the Lord cares about our bodies. Do you see that? He gave us our body to serve him, so he cares about how we treat our bodies. Verse 14, it says, And God will raise us from the dead by his power, just as he raised our Lord from the dead. So dangerous people know where they're headed. The good news is that the gospel tells us that we're headed to heaven as a believer. We're headed to an a, a eternal encounter with the Father. It says that we have a place with the Father for eternity. It says that we'll ri- physically rise again if we physically die. Because of this, he goes on to say, we were not made for sexual immorality. Anything sexually that we pursue outside of marriage, we were not made for that. When we, know we're, when we know where we're headed, we actually filter our activities. I kind of think about it like this. Um, I, my dad and my brothers and I go hiking in the Rockies, and we take a couple days and camp, and we set up camp, and then we hike for miles and miles and miles. And I have to pack my bag knowing that I'm going to go where it could snow, it could rain, it could be hot, I need food. And I, and I filter the way that I get ready for the trip based on knowing where I'm going. And so I'm going to the Rockies, and I know I'm going to have to, have a, uh, have to sleep out outside. Well, if I want to be covered from the rain, I need to take a tent, okay? So i got to put a tent in my bag. Um, that, then I need to make sure that I'm going to eat because we're going to be walking, you know, 50, 60 miles. I want to make sure that I have enough food and snacks and provisions, okay? So i got to pack for that. Well, then I'm like, well, it might get hot, okay? So I want to make sure i got shorts. Well, it might get really freezing cold, okay? I need a, a jacket that's going to cover or going to help me with the, the, uh, the snow. And so knowing where I'm headed filters all my decisions to be prepared for when I get there. Scripture says that our life here on earth 
is a preparation, it's a preamble to where we're going to be for eternity. And everything we do in this life, in our physical bodies, will affect eternity. It will affect it. So I need to filter everything through that. Once I realize that I have to carry everything, I'm going to let some things go. I'm not going to pack things that I don't need. Hebrews talks about letting away, uh, putting aside the sin that gets us, those things that weigh us down. We can actually run from sexual immorality. This is one of the things that sticks with us. Verse 15, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? So we think that this, this mystical, spiritual, unrelated physical thing. But actually, when I come to Jesus, when he buys me, when I become his, my physical body becomes parts with Christ. Dangerous people play their part. We're all members of the body of Christ. When we gather on Sundays, it's a beautiful thing when we play our part, when we serve one another, when we pray for one another, when we use our gifts that God has given us for one another. The church does not work without our physical bodies. The church is you and me, the people. It's not the building. We offer online services, and I'm so glad for people that join around the country online. But I, but I want to tell you, if you're watching online right now, there's nothing like being here. There's nothing like being physically here. And so if you are watching online and you haven't been in church for a while, please jump into the body of Christ because being physically matters. Because when we're together, we actually get to motivate one another, encourage one another to love and good works. It's kind of like going to the Grand Canyon and looking over the rim of the Grand Canyon and looking at the beauty or just watching it on a picture. It's completely different. I got to be there to actually experience what it means to be a part of the body. Keep reading there in 1 Corinthians. It says, should a man take his body, which is part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never. And don't you realize that if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? For the scriptures say, the two are united into one. Dangerous people have only one allegiance. Whatever and whoever we connect with will get our affection and allegiance. This part is speaking not only about a person joining with a prostitute, but it's also talking about the church body and our other affections. What are we pursuing? This will not work if we commit contaminate. I'm sorry, it will contaminate you and you will have multiple allegiances. God wants you to pursue only him. Also, your life will be healthier and happier if you do not seek out a prostitute. Sex outside of the confidence and safety in marriage is unsafe, unhealthy, both physically and emotionally. Don't do it. It will only destroy you. Verse 17, but the person who is joined to the Lord is one with him. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself. For God 
bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. When God asked Jesus to go to the cross, he was ready. He was a man. He endured hunger and suffering and separation and sadness. He experienced all the same emotions that you and I experience. Cross, obedient to his father, and he bought us with his blood. When his blood was shed, the highest price that anyone could pay, holy blood was shed on the cross. The scripture says that he actually went to the cross as a substitute for you and for me. We, he went to the cross to endure the rage, the wrath, and the anger of God in my place, in your place. When we understand that and we capture it, we understand that we're dangerous because God has actually purchased us with the death of his own son. Our bodies are a temple. The Spirit of God actually lives in us. Our lives were given to us by God. We're free to be free. We don't own ourselves. We have been blood-bought. Our freedom has been purchased. We get to choose to say no to sin, to say yes to God, and we get to choose to honor God with our lives. How are we going to do this? We're going to do this by understanding that we are who God says we are. We do what God's called us to do. We can live a life that God wants us to live, and we have the spirit of the living God in us. He is actually our living hope. Can I pray for you? God, this morning, we are in desperate need of you. You didn't tell us to go do whatever we want to do. You actually didn't tell us to go to try to be a good Christian, and you didn't tell us to go try to live up to your expectations. You actually said, I have placed my spirit in you and have empowered you and equipped you to do the good I've asked you to do. There's so many of us that are running around doing our own thing, God, and you're asking us to give our lives to you, the living hope. We've tried it all. We've, we've tried to pursue our own desires and our own appetites. And we always come up empty. We always come up feeling lost. So this morning, God, as you have promised to be living and to be our living hope, I pray that our confidence and our trust and our hope would be in you. That, God, while we're in these physical bodies, we're not, we're not supposed to do anything we want to do. We're actually supposed to filter it through the destination ahead of us. We're supposed to filter through the decisions we make based on how we can best serve you when you call us. Just like in Gideon, he said, go in your strength, I will be with you. God, my prayer is that here at Bethel Community Church, we would go in your strength, understanding that you're with us. Um, man, uh, Ray, as you, were, as you were talking, I, I couldn't help, in, in the last couple songs we, we sung about were all about freedom. And I think there's, there's a couple different mentalities. As I was sitting there listening to you and listening to the message and what God was uh, speaking into my life, I was reminded of a thought I had uh, several years ago. And there's a couple different mentalities that you ha can have when it comes to freedom. So, so just uh, play along with me, if you right. will. When you, when you, you guys can uh, have a seat. Yeah, maybe when you're, when you're driving along the side of the road and you see uh, something that's on the curb and it has a free sign on it, what, <laughs> what's your thought? 
keep driving. No, <laughs> keep <laughs> no I mean, I can stop and take it if I want to. Yeah, yeah right. So, yeah. so you're, you're evaluating and you're asking yourself, will this enhance the quality of my life? Right. Is this something that I can take and use to my advantage? Right. Right. But then uh, you look at other parts of the world, and, and a lot of the mentality in other parts of the world is a freedom from oppression, right? right. Or a freedom from a, a bondage, right? And so I think uh, sometimes here in America, we, we have this mentality that freedom means I have the freedom to do something uh, mm-hmm. that works to my advantage versus the, the, the mentality that says I've been freed from something, right. right? And so when we have that mentality that says I've been freed from the bondage of sin that I was once in, then that gives me freedom to live right. for him. Freedom to choose. Like, I'm going to take, and that's the mentality that the, the people in Corinth had, was I'm going to take this grace, this freedom that I've been given, and I'm going to use it to do whatever I want. Right. Whereas Jesus was calling them and inviting them into a dangerous life, which says in submission, I think it was you that said, uh, maybe as we were kind of talking through the series, um, that the most vulnerable and the most dangerous position physically that we can be in is on our knees, yep. where we recognize in submission that we need surrender surrender hands up on our knees i'm yours that's a vulnerable place to be and i think that's where this you were talking about the the danger of um just the license to do whatever we want Mm -hmm. and i think the thing about being physically free the freedom that jesus has given us he he is not i think before we didn't even have a choice like before we just did what our nature craved right we just followed it like instinct but once Jesus freed us, now we can actually understand right and wrong, distinguish between right and wrong, and make a choice between right and wrong. And so we come to church, and I think there's this mentality of, I don't want to be told what to do. I don't either. I'm like, I'm a natural rebel. If you tell me what to do, I'm going to do the other thing. Yeah. But with Jesus, we can choose to say, okay, he's given us a choice. I can follow him, or I can do what I want to do. He loves us, but we're not going to be effective. We're not going to be dangerous. We're not going to be completely in where God wants to be. He came to, to give us life and to give right. us life more abundant. And so right. we miss out on experiencing the life that God has for us when we choose to go our own way. And that's right. the story of Judges, right? We yeah. see this cycle that, that brought them into oppression that continued to bring them back into these chains. And we just talk about, we just sang about the chains that we've been released from, right. but we only experience the freedom from those chains when we choose to follow <laughs> Jesus. So there's yeah. consequences to bondage. And when we're freed from them, we're released from the consequence of the bondage. But for some reason, we Christians think, I'm going to go back into chains and hope I don't suffer the consequences. But that's not it. We're freed from the consequences when we follow Jesus. We go back into the, into the chains. We're going to have consequences. And actually, this week in community group, for those of you that are signed up, hope everybody gets into one. Um, we're going to talk through who God says we are. And so it's going to yeah. be like this walk down this path of we are made to be dangerous, but we have to respond to the call. It's the call of God in our life. So, so this so. week, I want you to leave thinking about that. Okay, what has God asked you to do, and will you be ready to do it? Are you stepping into that calling? Are you filtering your decisions through that calling? Yeah, and experiencing the freedom that God has. And, and so we, uh, we pray that this week that you will remember that here at Bethel, we exist to love and lead one another to find and follow Jesus. Love you guys. Take care.